Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful start to Lent. Now, if you were with us last week, we began the season with a joint service along with our friends up at Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle as we talked about our joint Lenten journey of release. And this week, as we reflect on where we are personally at this point in the pandemic, I want you to pay attention to some of the things that might be happening and some of the things that you might be feeling. I find that we're at this point in the pandemic where we're far enough away from 2019 and our old lives that we understand we're really not going back to that. Life has changed in so many ways and we're on the precipice of a new world. But a lot of us are just not fully convinced that we wanna take the next step into that world. If you're like me, you find yourself not wanting to let go of parts of your old life, of what you were doing and what you had back then. And what we're exploring through Lent this year are actually the things that we're having trouble letting go of. And we're considering how some of the things that we might be holding on to are actually stopping us from embracing some of the new life that God might have for us. And so this season of Lent, I invite you to ponder what God might in be inviting you to release. Now, our anchor text for the series is found in Matthew chapter 16, which Pastor Sam Kim shared with us last week. And Jesus, in this text, says these profound words that present one of the great paradoxes of the gospel. He says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, what's fascinating is the word choice Jesus uses. It's not a simple one-to-one -one exchange of saving and losing. Jesus uses the distinct terms of saving and finding. You see, saving your life is about clinging onto it. It's about trying to rescue it from danger. It's about retaining and keeping the life you already have. But finding your life is about discovering something new. Let me say that again. Saving your life is about holding on to what you already have. But finding your life is about discovering something new. What Jesus is saying is that those who want to cling on to our old lives, we're going to end up losing everything if we try to hold on to it and save it. But those who lose their life for his sake will end up finding something brand new in him. As we begin our series, this week I want to talk about one of those things that we find ourselves clinging on to, the sense of control. Now we're just a few weeks away from the year mark of our Safer at Home order. And if you recall those first few weeks or maybe even the, that first week and first few days of the pandemic and going into lockdown, they were pretty frantic. I mean, we had no idea what would happen. We had even less knowledge of this virus back then. And I don't know about you and how you prepared, but the week we went into lockdown, I gassed up both cars. I bought a bunch of emergency food, nothing good, just a bunch of dehydrated macaroni and cheese and other junk that I really don't want to eat. I stocked up on medication, both prescription and none. And I got my last big economy pack of toilet paper to try and last what I thought would be maybe just a couple of months of an intense pandemic. Now, maybe it's a Boy Scout in me, but I was just determined to be prepared for this thing as much as I could and survive. 
And that sense of stocking up or hoarding, let's be honest. When we had all that toilet paper and all that Clorox, it gave us some security, right? I mean, come on, I, I know I'm not the only one who has a secret stash of Clorox wipes in their house somewhere. But the feeling of, yeah, I planned this out. I executed the plan and now I'm ready. It gives you a sense that you're in control because you're, you're dictating part of the situation. It's maybe a false sense of control, I, I agree, but, but it still feels good that you have some agency, that there are some things you can do that maybe affect what happens. But what happens when we're forced to let go of that sense of being in control? Now, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a man who runs up to Jesus and falls before him, asking Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus mentions some of the commandments. Don't murder, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your parents. And the man says, I've done all these things since I was a boy. So Jesus looks at him, loves him, and says, one thing, one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. At this, the man is visibly disappointed and the text says that he walks away sad because he had great wealth. I find this character of the man fascinating because he doesn't strike me as someone who is merely consumed with being rich. You know, he's not this powerful, arrogant tycoon, at least from what I gather in the text. This is, this is a man who falls on his knees in front of Jesus. And he's kept all the commands since childhood. He, he's even asking and seeking out in what appears to be humility, this uh, Galilean rabbi, to find a way to inherit eternal life. And he asks Jesus, what must I do to get this? What must I do to get this? This is a guy who's, who has his life together, who's done a lot of things to get his life under control. Maybe because he's a high achiever, maybe because he just does everything right. I don't know, but I don't know. This doesn't strike me as inherently bad. Maybe his wealth comes from the property he owns. Maybe he employs a large workforce and he pays them justly. He could be a good Jew, a good husband and father, maybe even a kind man to his neighbors. The text doesn't indicate the exact circumstances or character of this man, so we're just left guessing. So perhaps his wealth is not a result of greed or corruption or unjust practices. Maybe it's simply a result of hard work and economic success. And so here's a man who's worked hard all his life to make sure that he had everything he needed, that he was prepared. And it gave him a sense of security and control in a world where those things were just really hard to find. And so when Jesus asks him to sell everything he has and give to the poor, I don't think it was the act of charitable giving that Jesus was really looking for in this man. Jesus doesn't even really seem to be focused on that in the text. Giving to the poor just seems like it was a good, useful way to utilize whatever money this man made from selling everything. What really seemed to be the difficult task for this man was getting rid of his source of income and leaving his current life to follow Jesus. It was the act of giving up the very thing that gave him control over his life. 
if he took that step, and the text is provocatively silent on whether or not he did, but if he took that step and gave his life to Christ, all of a sudden, he would have to wonder where he was going to sleep at night, where his next meal would come from, what his future would look like. Letting go of all his financial assets meant letting go of the power he had to dictate his own life and future. And that's the scary thing for all of us, losing control of our lives. I mean, not everyone here can relate to having great wealth. Some can, some can't. But I know that every one of us can relate to how scary it is to feel like you're feeling like your life is out of control. I'm reminded of a passage in James 4. And James writes concerning the act of boasting about the future. And he's talking about the plans that we make, going places, doing business, and carrying on with our lives as if we had full control of everything. And he says this, he says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And James reminds us that we have no idea what will happen tomorrow. He says we're like a mist, a fog that's here today, gone the next. And in reality, the only thing, the only one actually that, that has any bit of say whether we will even be here tomorrow, the only one that has any say of that is God. Planning our lives with such arrogance is foolishness to Him. And so what we ought to do then is understand that dynamic and live our lives looking for the good things that God invites us to do moment by moment, relishing our time as a gift, each breath, not as something that we're in complete control of, but something that we have, in a sense, no control of. This text, this text actually, I think, convicts us right now. Because now, as I read it, I feel like I'm looking at my past self, making plans to go to this city or that city, making plans for my career or my future. I mean, how many of us were having those thoughts a year ago? What fun vacation were you planning for the summer of 2020? What work trip did you have on your calendar for the fall? Who were you supposed to connect with? Who were you supposed to visit that you didn't get to? What important thing was typed into your phone on your schedule? But then the pandemic happened, followed by a long stream of really horrible, unfortunate events. And everything you had planned went right into the fire. And along with it, any sense of control that we had over our lives. Because if we did have control, I guarantee you, we would not be right here. But that's the story of the gospel, isn't it? The gospel of Jesus Christ is about releasing control. The very concept of having faith, believing in something that there's no visible evidence of, that's about releasing control. 
following a Messiah whose example was to surrender his life to the will of God, even to the point of death, that's about surrendering control. And as Christians, this is our trajectory too. It's this, this is the road that we're all on, the path that we're invited to follow. Before the pandemic started, we had recently switched preschools because we noticed that while one of our daughters was thriving at this first preschool, she was connecting well and had even made a best friend, the other, our other daughter just seemed to be having a hard time socially. And so we made the tough decision to move schools to a research preschool where more of the teachers had advanced childhood development degrees and where the teacher to student ratio was a little bit better in hopes that she could get more individual attention. Now this new school proved to be a good place for our daughter Annabelle and her new teachers were, were actually the ones who confirmed our suspicions that we had about Annabelle and her development. Uh, and they encouraged us to get her evaluated. And as I've shared before, she was diagnosed on the autism spectrum exactly a year ago. And as we were talking with these psychologists and speech pathologists, they really emphasized to us how important it was to get services for Annabelle during these early years because it's shown to be really beneficial as the child grows up. And so it felt a little bit like we were racing against the clock to try to get her as much help as possible, as quickly as possible in these early years. And with her specific diagnosis, we were told that early intervention could actually make a lot of difference. And so even though we were still grieving this diagnosis, and we still are, I think there was a sense of hope that if we could work hard enough and fast enough, maybe we could actually tackle this. Maybe we could actually beat the clock and do something to make a huge difference in Annabelle's life. But then we went into lockdown and it was like the clock broke and not in a way that would help us. Agencies that we had contacted were either closed or just moving at a snail's pace because of the pandemic. And it felt like time was just slipping through our fingers with each month of the pandemic and all of the plans that we had to get Annabelle fast help, these things were just floating away. And we started just feeling frustrated because it felt like things were getting worse and we couldn't do anything about it. We were at the mercy of the pandemic and all that 2020 brought. Did you feel like that? Have you felt like that? Do you feel like that now? I mean, we all have things we do to try to have some control in our lives, right? We make five-year plans for our career. We schedule our calendars. We put money towards retirement. We plan our families. We take courses for a degree in college that we think is going to interest us and make us happy for the rest of our lives. And it all gives us this illusion that we're somewhat in control of our path. But this past year has taught us that really we're not, but it's hard to let that go. All of our plans, our hopes, our attempts to control our life. And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that we never make plans and that we just sit on our caboose and let life pass us by. I, I just want us to pay attention to God's invitation to us right now. Maybe you've been trying to save 
the remnants of your old life, to cling to it, to fight to keep it. And God's word for you this morning is just release. And that's hard. It's really hard because it takes courage and faith. But my hope is that as we do, we will be more and more ready at the end of our Lenten journey to receive something new from God.